sticks. Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 43. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock but he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great let's pray father in heaven we thank you for the time that we can gather here today. And Lord, even as we have proclaimed in song that you are the king of all kings, that Christ is our solid rock, I pray, that that would be a truth in our lives. And because you are king, because Christ is our hope, we open your word and we ask for understanding. We acknowledge that we can't understand it without your enablement. So Lord, do that. Open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear. Cause us to see the wonderful glory of you on these pages. Cause us to know you. Cause us to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. Lord, may you be honored as we do these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Luke chapter 6. As we are moving through uh, the book of Luke... We've been following Christ's ministry, and over the last few weeks, we've been looking at Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount. Again, the Sermon on the Mount is, uh, as one person has called it, that glorious impossibility. It's not something we set up there to strive to achieve our salvation, but if the Lord has done a work in our lives, it is the fruit of our salvation. It is the way that we can kind of, the litmus test, test, we can put up against our lives and to say, is this reflective in my life? And if it's not, then repentance is needed. And as we acknowledge, as we walk along this path of looking at the Sermon on the Mount, it's not something we are ever going to fully achieve. Are we going to perfectly love our enemies? Are we going to... Not judge, as we saw last week, to stand in the place of God. But again, these, these should be the overarching examples of what our life looks like. 
Now, if you remember last week, we, we looked with Mr. Powers and we saw that we are not to judge, we are not to stand in the, the place of condemnation. And in the middle of that passage in verse 39 and 40, Luke concludes something that Matthew does not. And Luke concludes something, look back there real quick. Jesus spoke a short parable to them and he says, Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and really that's the core uh, audience that he's speaking to, and he's warning them that there are false teachers. And I believe he's, it's this foundation that he's going to kind of grow out of here in our passage today. As we see, if you want to follow along, kids in your notes and uh, adults, maybe you can pick up on some of an outline that, that I have for the kids. But number one, there's two illustrations that Jesus gives us here. One in verses 43 to 45 and one to 46 to, to 49. The first illustration is a comparing and a contrasting. You have the good tree and the bad tree. Jesus says that a good tree bears what kind of fruit? Good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. Every tree is known by its fruit. We don't have as much uh, tree fruit here, uh, but where Jenny and I came from, the Central Valley of California, it's hard not to even turn around and see just acres upon acres upon acres of peach orchards, of you name it, uh, citrus. And it was amazing. But as you looked at the tree, you knew what kind of a tree that was. The peach tree didn't produce oranges. The orange tree didn't produce apples. It produced of its own kind. And we see Jesus comparing these two and saying, the bad tree bears bad fruit, the good tree bears good fruit. And then in his second illustration, in verses 46 to 49, he compares a man who built a house. He built a house on a rock. And in the New King James, it says, a man who built it on the earth. Another translation is a sand. And so we have the house built upon the rock, contrasted with the house built upon the sand. To see how the two of them are comparing one another. But it's interesting that as we see these two passages, often because there's a break In my Bible, there's a little subheading called Build on the Rock. That we can see these as two completely separate illustrations, but I believe they they have one meaning. As Luke has put these together, uh, Matthew in his gospel separates these two just a little bit. But here in Luke, he puts these together because I believe the principle that Jesus is trying to teach is the same in both of them. And really, in, in doing so, he's reinforcing his points. We can teach something one way to bring a point, And then we can bring a different illustration to bring us from a different direction to the same conclusion. And the conclusion is this. That what lies beneath determines everything. What lies beneath determines everything. Look at what Jesus does. He says, the good tree bears good fruit, the bad tree does bad fruit. Every tree is known by its fruit. 
And then he gives a little bit of an explanation of the purpose of it. In verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and the evil man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth evil. He's pointing and showing that it's not about the, the tree necessarily that Jesus is talking about. It's about the root. The root is the issue here. And that's the same thing about the house. The house that's built upon the rock and the house that's built upon the sand. Both of them are houses, but the difference between the two is what is at the root of it, what is at the core of it. And Jesus, speaking of this, uses in verse 45 this illustration of the heart. And he says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And we recognize through Jesus' teaching here that Jesus is helping us point out and to understand that the issue here is a heart issue. It's an internal issue. It's an internal issue, and the internal issue must be dealt with on an internal basis. Isn't that the whole theme of the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus is saying, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. You have heard that it was said, you keep these rules, therefore you are saved. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm getting all the way down to the heart issue. The heart issue of what really shows the character of a person, whether they are a disciple of Christ or a disciple of the devil. And Jesus uses this, I think, the speech here that is just stood out to me when he says, the good treasure of his heart. That where our treasure is, there where our heart be also. The treasure of our heart. What is it that we love? What is it that has our heart? Now, throughout the whole Bible, the heart is spoken about the inner being of man. It's not talking about just that thing that that pumps blood. But it's speaking about the center of our being, of who we are. You could call it the spiritual center. And recognizing that the spirit, that because it is an internal issue and it has to be dealt with on an internal level, David in Psalm 51, in his Psalm of Repentance, he says in Psalm 51.10, speaking to God, create in me a clean, what? Heart. Notice he's recognizing the issue is not the fruit out on the end. Well, that shows, and we can try to, make those changes, but it's not going to change it overall. But to change our heart, how do we? And as we see the scope of scriptures, we see that you and I can't change our heart. As Ephesians 2 helps us understand, we are lost in our sin. Romans 3, that we are sinners beyond our own capability of cleaning. And in Ezekiel, Often, I was thinking of Ezekiel 36 and 37, but actually earlier on it even lays this foundation as Ezekiel 9, excuse me, 11 verse 19. God says, then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. How is that done? It's a work of God. 
It's a work of God to change the heart from a heart of stone, a picture of our heart of sin, that we are born in sin and we love our sin, to a heart of flesh, one that is moldable and directed by him. Throughout the, later on in Ezekiel, in 36 and 37, that picture of the new covenant, God reminds them again that that is a work that he has to do. We do see in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for out of it the spring springs the issues of life. But notice it's keep your heart. It's not change your heart, it's protect to guard. The true change must be done by a work of God. As I was studying this week, um, there's many applications, but parenting often came to my mind. Uh, it's at the forefront of many of our minds as we're just day in and day out uh, shepherding our children. And and I'm very thankful for Ted Tripp and his book, uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart, Uh, a book that really has been used in my life uh, to to show my shortcomings, uh, to show how easy it is to try to focus on the externals. We can often say, well, we need to ship somebody to a military camp. And we can change the externals, but the heart change must be required for true change to happen. And this is exactly what Jesus is teaching here. That the problem lies within and the solution lies within. This is the error of modern psychology saying the problem is without that has created this problem within. And therefore we need to change the outside. But God says it's different. It begins in our hearts. And as we see this passage, I was trying to work out an outline. And here's my outline. Five observations. Uh, There was nothing fancy about this. But just five observations that I want to pull from our text today to... To allow it, I, I, I pray that to encourage us, encourage us in, in proper ways, maybe to uh, correct us from erroneous ways. But let's look at a few observations. Number one, there are only two options in both of these illustrations. And this sounds kind of odd that I'm pointing this out, but it's important. Notice, Jesus in the first one, it is a good tree or a bad tree yeah there's no in between there's not like there's good and well kind of good and bad it's black or white it's binary zeros and ones if you're into computing and we need to be reminded of that because as jesus is speaking to his disciples remember again the context He's telling them, I think where he laid the foundation in 39 and 40, a disciple is not above his teacher. Are you headed their direction or are you headed my direction? Are you headed the path of the wicked or the path of the righteous? There's no in-between. And that's why I think that picture of repentance is a U-turn. It's not a slight deviation. It's a full change of one's mind, a recognition of sin. Even in Jesus' example of the two houses, there's a house on a rock and a house on the earth or on on, uh, sand as often translated. There's no in-between. 
James kind of picks up on this in his, uh, in his letter in James chapter 3. He says, Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? It's kind of like, duh, James. But what he's trying to point out is there's no in-between here. There's no brackish water if you're into uh, keeping fish or cichlids or something. It's either salt water or it's fresh water, no in-between. And he continues, he says, Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? The answer is, of course, no. He says, Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Now look where he takes this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his words are done in the meekness of his wisdom. It's almost as if these words of Jesus are in his mind as he's writing this letter. Very similar to Jesus' own words. And Jesus is helping them understand there are only two ways. Our heart has been changed or it has not. It is the way of God or it is not the way of God. There is no in-between. Sometimes I think we can try to muddy the waters a little bit when we say, well, there's a moral side. No, it's either God or not. There's not an in-between there. A second observation here. Both of these look good at the beginning. Think about it. Both of these, in the first illustration, are trees. Both of the trees are producing fruit. Both of the houses are houses. It's not that there's something else. It's both of them at first glance look great. But upon closer examination or over time, the truth comes out. The issues can be hidden. I, I, I enjoy watching people renovate homes. And on the outside, things can look great. And when you begin to break open walls, you begin to see, oh, this is not what it looked like from the outside. A little bit of drywall and mud can, and some paint can cover up a lot of things. Uh, a number of years ago, Jenny and I lived um, what I affectionately wanted to call hell on earth called Pahrump, Nevada, uh, because it's just very hot. Uh, but I remember when we first moved there, there was a house that was a beautiful house. And as you drove past it, you looked, and if you didn't look carefully, you wouldn't have noticed that the whole house had sunk into the ground. In Pahrump, uh, it's a beautiful soil because it's dirt. And you think, this has got to be hard pan. But if you do any type of excavating, you realize that it's actually what they call poof dirt. Uh, it, I don't think that's a scientific word, uh, but things settle. And homes had to have, I think it was like 16 or 18 feet pier blocks dug into the ground and built up. So the house was not actually sitting on the ground. It was sitting on the, those, those foundation points. But because the foundation was not built properly on this house, it looked beautiful. And I'm sure for a while it was, it was lived in. And people thought, wow, so thankful for our home. 
But so is the case with these two homes and these two bushes. They both looked good on the outside. And again, Jesus is saying the root problem is the heart. The root problem is the foundation. Even thorn bushes can sometimes have small berries upon them. In our new house, we have these uh, berry bushes uh, in, our, in our backyard. And they look pretty good. Because our old house, we had these berry bushes in our backyard. And the kids were used to eating those. Those were called blackberries. And they've been right in season. The kids have been eating them and they're great. But I saw Elijah grab some of the berries off of the others and he ate them and he spit them out immediately because they tasted horrendous. But here's the, here's the understanding. In our own lives, we can look around and we can see, well, things look pretty good on the outside. And for, especially for a time, things look okay, but at the root is a problem that shows what truly we are. Jesus says, you know what? Out of the good treasure of his heart, he brings forth good. And that fruit is going to determine who we are because it shows what is within. Now, a third observation for us. Behavior modification doesn't last. Ted Tripp, uh, in, his, in his book or in one of his sessions I've heard, talked about how he had an apple tree that he never could get good apples on. Often it looked nice. So finally he told his wife one day, I'm going to fix this apple tree. And he went out to the store and he bought some beautiful apples. And he bought some fishing line and he tied the apples onto that tree to make it look nice. And he called his wife out and he said, honey, come on out, see this tree. And she came out and immediately said, honey, what did you do? (laughs) But it looks nice, doesn't it? They're all polished apples hanging there nicely. There's changes on the outside, but did the tree ever change? No, because the problem is inside. And we may be able to, in our own strength, make some changes in our parenting. Through enough discipline, we can probably get anything on the outside. But it's not stemming from a heart. Even from the area of temptation in our own lives, we can build up enough layers of accountability. We can have web filters for certain temptations. We can guard our eyes in all of these ways, but it is our heart that must be changed. It must have a greater love for something else. And we must remind ourselves that the outside change can often happen quick and it can be easy to focus on those things. But we must focus on the heart change. And you know what's scary about that? Is it requires God to do it. It doesn't happen in our own time. And it's trusting a sovereign God. Now, does this mean in the area of parenting we don't expect obedience? Absolutely not. But we must always guard ourselves from just trying to polish the outside of the cup and not deal with the root issue. In our own lives, trying to make things look good on the outside 
But sooner or later, the truth comes out. Sooner or later, the trees bear fruit, and it's known what it is. Sooner or later, the house faces some type of challenge, and the foundation is proven. Number four, observation. The proof is in the type of fruit that is produced. Now, often uh, we can we can take uh, Jesus's uh, words in um, "I am the vine, you are the branches." Uh, we bear fruit. If we don't bear fruit, the Father will cut us off. And that illustration is absolutely correct. But we also understand that in this illustration here in our passage today, that which one is producing fruit? Yeah. Both of them are producing fruit. The difference is in the type of fruit that they are producing. Both are houses. Both are trees that are producing fruit. But notice what Jesus says in verse 47. Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does, that, does them, I will show you whom he is like. Jesus is pointing and saying, the one whose heart has been changed, here's the picture of him. He is the man built his house upon the rock. And what is that fruit? The fruit of that is obedience. Verse 47, he hears my saying and he does them. Because that's contrasted to the man who built his house upon the sand. It says, but the man who heard and did nothing. You know, it's easy, well... Sometimes it's easy to sit in church. And we can hear things. And not have it change us. We can go our way, as James says, we see something in the mirror and we walk away unchanged. And this is the the illustration that Jesus is giving us, the second half of our passage here. That the man who hears and does what he says... I find it interesting because if you take out the little break between 45 and 46, Jesus says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then what are the next words? But why do you call me Lord, Lord? Notice, he, it's almost like he's, he's saying here, you're, you're talking lots and you're, you're calling me Lord, Lord. But there might be an abundance of overflow out of your mouth, but it's showing that you aren't really truly calling me Lord because you don't obey me. There's a a verbal action and confession, but there's an action uh, of our lifestyle. It's a both and. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, there's a a two-sided thing. Does that mean that there's two things required for salvation? No. No. That the fruit of our works, excuse me, the works are the fruit of our salvation. And we see that in James chapter 2, verse 17. James says, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now some have distorted this passage to say, well, we have to work. It's our exertion as part of our salvation. No, it's a byproduct We know the kind of tree that that is by its fruit that it's producing. The works that it is producing show it. 
the fruit doesn't make it the tree. Does that make sense? I can't put a peach on a tree and make it a peach tree. The tree shows what kind it is by that peach. And the faith produces that works. Scripture talks about this fruit. And there's two kinds of fruits. Uh, If you want to look at Galatians 5 with me real quick. In Galatians 5, verse 19, the Apostle Paul shows in contrasting. Back in verse 16, he lays down, he says, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he's showing these two contrasts. And then in verse 19, he lays out, Now the works, or the fruit of the flesh, are evident, which are, Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand. He's listed and he said, here's the outflowing of our hearts if our heart has not been changed. Here's the outflowing of our heart in our sin nature. It's interesting how many of those throughout the, the, the entire Sermon on the Mount Jesus deals with uh, throughout the, the book of, of Matthew when you see the larger context of the Sermon on the Mount. But then he contrasts, contrasts this list of the fruit of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit beginning in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. When we are born, the natural outflowing of our heart is the fruit of the flesh. But then we must also realize is when God has done a work of change in our life, the fruit of the Spirit is not something that we can produce. We, we can't just say, okay, here's my list. I need to work really hard in these areas. I, I'm, I'm scoring about a 5.2 on a scale of 1 to 10 in my gentleness, but my, my patience, I'm scoring a 1.0, and therefore I need to work harder. Just like the fruit of our sin is natural, the fruit of the Spirit should be natural. And if we're struggling in these areas, it's a causing of the Holy Spirit not working in us. There may need to be some pruning in our lives, some spiritual pruning of things that are are causing us not to grow properly. But in the end, it is the fruit of the Spirit. He is the one who produces it in us. And this fruit we see is essential because it is what defines us. It's what, back in our passage in Luke, it is what determines the difference between the good tree and the bad tree. The, the overflowing life of, the, of the, the houses 
were differentiated between what happened to them. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, uh, actually our parallel passage, he says, Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Let me ask you today, what kind of fruit are you showing? Well, 50% of the time I'm kind of showing this kind of fruit, and 50% of the time I'm kind of showing this. And I'm not saying that we, we achieve perfectionism. Please understand me. But what is the ordinary overflow of your heart? If it's the fruit of the flesh, we need to cause ourselves some time to examine ourselves to say, Lord, I I've, think I've seen your work in my life, but why is this such a battle? Or maybe it's saying, Lord, thank you for this fruit you're producing in my life. Continue to do it. And we praise him for that. One more observation. Time and trials reveal what's underneath. Both trees can look nice, but it's until the fruit bears that we know the difference. Both houses look nice, but it's not until the, the, the storm comes that you see what the foundation is built upon. Jenny's grandpa was a a pastor for over 50 years and was a a great mentor of mine. He said to me, he said, one of the best places to find the character of a man is on the basketball court. And, And Grandpa Bob was not necessarily the tallest guy, but he was, I hear, a pretty good basketball player. But he understood that in tense situations, those peripherals start to fall off and the true heart of us comes out. When trials come, it shows where our heart is, where our our foundation is, where we're putting our trust in the things of this world or upon Christ. Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 uses a, a similar illustration. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word, Men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That's another one of those difficult sayings that Jesus says. By your words you will be justified. We have to be careful with that, because if we just rip that verse out of context, we could say, hey, I can achieve my salvation, but we understand the whole picture of Scripture shows us we can't. So what is this passage saying? That by our words we show if we have been justified. By our words we show that we are standing in condemnation. 
Kind of like we saw uh, last week with the, the forgiveness. If, if we say we have not, if we do not forgive, we will not be forgiven. That's a picture of if we are not forgiving, we too probably have not been regenerated from within and we stand in judgment. But oh, we must be careful and to look at both of these illustrations and to guard our hearts from being self-deceived. Because I grew up in a church. I jokingly say I was going before I was ever even born. And I day in and day out, if the church doors were open, we were there. We were serving in the church. We were fixing blacktop and sprinkler heads. And we were doing all of these things. I was the good kid. I knew how to obey. But the question was, my heart really transformed by God? Why was I doing the things? Was it to just do it to please men? To be happy? To to get an easy, comfortable life? Or was it God had changed my heart and I was seeking to please Him? That's difficult for us to sometimes distinguish. Well, why am I obeying right now? I just don't want the consequences of disobedience? Or is it out of an overflow of love for God? Because as Jesus says in, in, back in our passage in Luke 6.45, out of the overflow or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's truly within me overflows. Am I saying that Christians don't sin? Absolutely not. First John helps us realize that. That we all are still in this body of flesh. We still sin. We're reminded that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us. But our passage today is a good reminder that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That the problem lies within us and, and we can't be good enough to stand before a holy God and for him to say, you're good to go. But instead, all we can give him is our sin. Jesus uses the illustration in the second half of our passage today about that home. The home that was built upon the rock or the home that was built upon the sand. Writing long before Christ was born, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 118.22, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That picture is often used, and we sung about it earlier, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is what? Sinking sand. And those are some easy words to sing. But do we live it? Where do we put our hope? Is it in our good works? Or is it upon Christ's perfect work? I pray that today that we would not leave this place deceiving ourselves, thinking we have achieved our salvation by doing lots of good things. 
but that we would, in faith, put our faith in Christ by repenting of our sin, asking for his forgiveness. But then as Jesus said, the way we show that that is true that's happened in us is if we hear his word and we obey it. I pray that God would be glorified as we obey it. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we acknowledge that you see our hearts. And our heart is not anything that we uh, can, can see in another. But you see it perfectly. And we pray that you would lay it bare. That you would cause our hearts to, to hunger after you. Lord, take away the hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh. Lord, for those who in here in this room that have not placed their faith and trust in Christ alone for their salvation, I pray, Lord, that you would cause them to know you. Lord, as parents, as we are seeking to train up our children in the admonition and instruction of you, Lord, we ask for wisdom, for wisdom on how to shepherd their hearts. And But we in the end, depend upon you for that enablement. Lord, today as we close your word, may it not be the end of your word. May your word be lived out as we leave this place later on. May we take the things that you have said and apply them. For your honor and for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.